calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, citizens, to the 11th episode of Liberty Vigilance. We're nearing the end of our story, and we just wanted to say a quick thanks to everyone for your support. Well, it's time for us to get started, so thank you again for listening, and remember, Atreus endures. Liberty. Vigilance. Episode 11. The Great Awakening. The team continues up the stairs. Alright, so while we're walking up the stairs, we need to decide what we're going to ask, what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen when we get up there. What is this initiation thing? Like, that doesn't sound nice. (laughs) And what... We're just going to walk up the stairs. Why is you guys' plan always just to walk into the problem? <laughs> Seriously, answer the question. I guess that depends on if the gentleman we killed on the way in here was the initiation or if there are more tests to come. Yeah. Hmm. Good question. Well, we've gotten told a lot of information about everything that's going on. I feel like they wouldn't tell us that if we didn't pass the initiation, right? We know about dragons and stuff. Now, that's pretty out there. So perhaps we just need to explain our names and what we might be useful to them for to this Creed person and we'll be added to the list, possibly even find out its location. Wait, did that doctor we just talked to have the same mark? Diana Azad recalls seeing a small armband on Dr. Reichman bearing the symbol of Melikor. The same symbol has been seen, represented in a variety of forms, on the majority of the cultists within the complex. All right, let's just walk up and talk to another weird person. Sounds like a plan. It's what I've been doing since I uh, got out here. So, uh, just to be clear, Diana's going to be doing the talking on this oh one. Oh my god, not wait, me. really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we's trying to sound like smarty pants, I'm gonna sit in the back. All right. Smart talk. I can smart talk. On the 12th floor, the team sees the do not enter symbol. The team passes it in disregard and sees the same symbol again upon reaching the 15th floor. Is there any way we can even peek in without being in trouble? 
We could just open the door. Maybe. Pretend to be intoxicated. <laughs> uh, would anybody have the capacity to get intoxicated in this place? I don't know. They didn't check us for booze on the way in, so probably. Or drugs. Drugs. Either. I'll try opening the door. Take a quick peek. The door is locked by a traditional physical keyhole. <gasps> Only Flick has ever seen anything similar. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Uh, we could certainly try to get in, but I do not have the capacity to assist in that. Not unless we're breaking the door down, and I assume we're not. We want to be in good with our new dragon buds. Worth a try. The team continues up another 15 floors, all of which appear to be residential. At the 30th floor, an old sign of embossed steel is visible next to the doorway. Its text, written in worn, faded atrium, has largely eroded to the point of illegibility. Ooh, what sort of check would that be? That would require a successful perception check. Can I intimidate it? <laughs> I'm just perceiving it. After a few moments, Azad traces her fingers over the letters to discern the word hanger. Hmm. That's where they made clothing hangers? I never thought about where they produced those. <laughs> Through the doorway spans a large four-story room piled with makeshift scrap homes. It's clearly been repurposed for residential use. Okay. The team continues upward. Floors 34 and 35 are off limits and locked, also requiring a physical key. Does anyone actually want to see what's in these? Uh, I I don't have an especial burning desire to. <laughs> All right, let's avoid getting murdered. All right, let's just go. The team continues up to the 40th floor, and Wyatt points out another faded sign with raised and worn atrium lettering. Okay, yep, reading. All right. Uh, wow, I am doing terribly. Oh. I don't even see anything there, you guys. What are you talking about? After a brief examination, Claire Hout and Wyatt discern the word bridge. Bridge. Through the glass door, a single-story room is visible. The layout encompasses a large portion of the 40th floor, and a massive floor-to-ceiling window gives a breathtaking view of the shining colony in the distance. Is there anybody in there? Inside, numerous figures, either fringers or former citizens, work on various smart glass surfaces, entering data and taking notes. Hmm. Can I see what they're doing? Are they, like, on the smart... Are they utilizing the smart glass? One of the figures stands out, a stern-looking woman working diligently to transcribe data from a stained piece of cloth onto a holographic desk. She has distinct scarring around her bright, seemingly purple eyes and extremely short, dark hair. Cut close and militaristic. Perception? 19. Using her privacy hood to peer closer, Azad believes the commanding woman is transcribing names. A list of names already presently transcribed on the screen is significantly lengthy. Okay, guys, so what if the dossier is actually not a physical book or a data pad, but is embedded into the actual, like, walls of the building? I can download it, but I would need access to the smart glass. Well, how are we going to get access to that? I just gave you my section. I con I contributed. Now it's your guys' turn. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you know how I would try to get access to this, and it would involve us blowing our cover immediately. So maybe someone else should come up with this particular plan. All right. Um, before we, like, enter in, whoever's closest to me, I'm literally, I'm just going to, like, grab their arm and whisper to them, like, I'm not going to be talking. Because... I, I still have um, my privacy hood on, and no one can tell because it's under, like, a big hooded thing, and I just look like I'm tweaked out. <laughs> so 
if you guys can just do the talking and have me sit there like some crazy person on drugs, I can just try and download it to my freaking privacy hood. All right, works for me. With her keen perceptive skills, Azad is also able to hear a voice coming through the door. We can never let that happen to the fuel cells in the basement. If you ever let the pressure levels get that high again, the whole tower could... Hello? The door opens and a dark-haired man disengages from a conversation on his privacy hood while he approaches the team. Hello, come in. He has a dark complexion, a slim build, a bachelor's mark, and first-tier lethality. Uh, what floor are we on? Yeah, sorry, we got a little lost. We're new here. This is the 40th floor. Are you here to speak with Creed? We are. Then please come in. You're expected. The man brings the team to Creed before returning to his oddly shaped and floor-bolted seat. Azad is surprised as her privacy hood suddenly connects to a localized internet hotspot. The stern woman addresses the team, awaiting response. Greetings. My name is Creed. Please state your names. I... I totally forgot what my cover name was. Greetings, Creed. I'm, uh, Scar. I'm Head Smasher. Hmm, interesting. She twitches and says, Zid. Yes. <laughs> it's very easy for her to twitch in these environments because everything smells bad. And all these people look gross. Senior Officer Theratius Wyatt, Special Defense Force. Interesting. Uh, and Flick. Hmm. <laughs> Gree told us to come see you. Said you might have some assignments for us. Yes. As each person states their name, she stares them down, typing on an invisible keyboard. Azad suspects that Creed may be attempting to discern the identities of those she's scanning. I was going to try and find the dossier with my privacy hood information systems, but now I am completely focused on maintaining our fake identities. That will require a series of successful computer use checks. Computer use... I have a 12. Azad fails to save Flick's identity. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> However, he has none on record. Azad is able to successfully hide her own identity, Yay. in addition to those of Sylvanas Clairhout and Horatius McBride. Cool. I am indeed Head Smasher. <laughs> All right, Theratius just literally gave up her whole name, so I'm just going like, to let it happen, because I would know that she should be on file if she's looking in any of the databases for any of the military people in Atrios. So I am going to start searching for the dossier. Azad needs to roll a computer use check to determine how long it will take to locate the files she's seeking. Your words are true. Excellent. I've added you to the list. What are your specialties? I'm sorry, we've, we've been added to a list? What's that? A list. We need to know who you are and where your specialties lie. It allows us to remain organized and make the best possible use of every resource we house. It also ensures that we have enough resources to feed, water, and house everyone properly. Ah, perfect. You are brethren, though not blood relatives, and everyone is treated equally here, so what are your specialties? Meds, meds, meds and drugs and drugs. Needles? <laughs> okay. Guns. A firearm specialist. Oh, uh, well, I mean, look, uh, you know, my name's Head Smasher. I was not given that name because I'm pretty good at uh, gardening. <laughs> Although I am. There's no plants on this world. I'm really more of a smasher of heads. Brute force, yes. It's like a one-word resume. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that part. <laughs> what about you, Scar? I find things, whether it be information, people. Clairhout is reasonably sure Creed has optical implants and may be using them to take pictures of the team. And Flick, what do you do? Uh, that's kind of my thing, too. I find stuff. 
I'm good at looking. Sharp eyes, this one. Perfect. We have an upcoming expedition you will complement nicely. Please report to Dr. Brasuto on the 30th floor. Creed pulls up a holographic map of the building. He will require your assistance. I know you walked a great distance to get here, only to be sent back down. But the documentation process is extremely important to our continued success. Dr. Brasuto will be your direct superior for the time being. He is in room... Never mind. He is in one of the scrap homes on the 30th floor. He should not be far from the ones with the flag outside. Well, all right. Azad has downloaded what she believes to be the entire list Creed was working on. The file is particularly large, and Azad is under the impression that it could be the document investigator Quinn was seeking. Okay, so now that I know that the blueprints are also available, can I start on that? Do you want me to roll again? Azad must make both a computer use and deception check to download the blueprint while avoiding the detection of Creed. I'm supposed to look crazy and twitchy. Give me that blueprint. <laughs> Azad acquires a map of the tower, seemingly without attracting attention. I apologize for moving you around so much, but it is important that I personally meet each new initiate we take on. We're eager to prove ourselves. That was a Dr. Basuto, you said, correct? That is correct. May I ask what he's in charge of? What kind of work we'll be doing? Dr. Pursuto is Director Yale's assistant. He oversees the DRD scientific research that takes place at this location in Yale's absence. Creed is a citizen, and citizens have records. Let's see what's in your profile. That will require an investigation check. I know nothing of Creed, but I know scrap a lot about Pursuto. <laughs> Sylvanas, did you get another one? <laughs> Seriously, that's my third... Maybe we should take the grenades away from him. Wow. That's my third this time. Yeah, yeah. maybe don't use the grenades today. <laughs> Claire Hout determines Creed's real name as Maxine McCready with the Department of Special Services. She's currently listed as undercover, possibly missing. Ooh. All right, what did, what did I get on Basito? Azad determines that Dr. Basuto is Director Yale's right hand. He's also probably the same Dr. Basuto that Dr. Reichman spoke of. Where we get the armbands? Ah, yes. After walking over to a desk, Creed gathers enough armbands bearing the symbol of Melikor for the entire team and hands them out. Here, wear them proudly. If you are noticed without one beyond our checkpoints, you might not be recognized by our brethren. Horatius slaps that armband right on there. Anything else? I'm not really a questions guy. That's why my name isn't questions. <laughs> Gray mentioned this was all... Heading to a close. Are we are we close to the awakening now? There is not much time to wait now. On the topic of change, you'll find that names change frequently in the fringe to reflect the lives of its inhabitants. Similarly, I hope that you will embrace your new lives here, and that your names may one day change to reflect who you will become after the awakening comes to pass. Creed stares at Wyatt. Such things as head smashers and scars will not be needed. I hope so, too. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Thank you. The team departs from the room and reaches the stairwell. Hello, old friends. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> At least we're going down this time. I really hope we find a way to destroy this building and every last one of these stairs. <sighs> Son of a bitch. Uh, what? On the way out, with a moment of clarity, Claire Hout suddenly recognizes the man in the chair as Hadrian Baker. Nothing. 
Never mind. I, I'll tell you later. We really just need to focus on the task at hand and getting that dossier. Now that we're out here, can I look at the blueprints and look at the levels for the basement and the levels for the roof? The blueprints show the roof is now only two floors up, just about a five-foot-tall maintenance crawl space. Ouch. Marked as off-limits, there is nothing denoted as being present on the roof except for an unmarked oval symbol. All right, and the basement? The basement floors are labeled as such. Basement floor one, elite residential. Basement floor two, goptum controls, G-O-P-T-M-M, meaning gravity, oxygen, pressure, temperature, moisture, management. Basement level three, security. On basement level three, six large cylindrical structures labeled fuel canisters are also depicted. Additionally, there appears to be a hidden staircase in the corner of that floor, which descends to a fourth basement level labeled excavation site excavation and marked site. by a symbol of Melacor. So what are they digging up? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we were a mining colony, so an old mine? Or rocks? Can I do uh, a... Can I have, like, a... Can I I check, because I'm, like, a miner, you know, can I think of the sorts of things they might be digging up for fuel? That would require a successful knowledge atrius check. Ah, come on. Oh, no! Ah, no. Well, gee, uh, they could be trying to dig up some fuel, but I have no idea what it could be. Unless it has something to do with Melacor, and we don't know what it is. (laughs) All right, um... So I want to relay the information about the blueprint having that five-foot crawl space, because I think we should check out the rooftop. Hmm. Is this oval symbol something we can recognize? An oval. (laughs) I was just thinking, when you were talking about the blueprint of the roof, there was an oval, a strange oval. The roof appears to be drawn as, like, this is the entrance, and this is the stairway up. And it's just this odd... Oval. Got it. But what about where was the crawl? Like so, okay, the crawl, the crawl space, space looks like it's an entire floor directly beneath it, and it, it lets out to the roof. Nah, it connects to the same staircase on the way up, so the entire floor beneath it is just a crawl space between the bridge, whatever that is, and the roof. It's gonna sound really stupid, but I don't know how to say it in Atrian. Anybody got a Dungeoneering's pack? <laughs> uh, maybe like I have something hook. like that. Let me see what I do have. I have uh, engineering garb, privacy hood. I have an Omni tool. I have a rapid ascension tool. How many floors does your ascension tool go? Well, it can go up at least 100 feet. <laughs> How many floors is that? <laughs> well, uh, according to my memory, uh, stories at around 10 floors? feet, so it could go up about 10 stories. Okay. Well, some of the stories we saw were like two stories tall. Um, okay. So were there any residential stories within the next 10 stories down from the roof? Uh, yeah. The one just below us is actually residential. All right, guys, so how about we go down there, we try to stick our heads out the window, see if we can get the ascension thing onto the roof, have someone go up, find out what the hell that is up there, that oval or anything, try to be sneaky about it, so maybe send someone sneaky, and then from there we can go down, and if these things in the basement are fuel cells, and then we overheard her saying that the fuel cells are probably going to blow, then now that we have the dossier, we could just blow this place to hell and get the hell out of here. 
Frick, there's no how. We can just blow this place to smithereens and then leave promptly. Get the smithereens out of here. I love that plan. <laughs> all the walls in the bridge can become transparent, will that pose a problem to anyone trying to stealthily climb up the outside of it? Okay, well then I can cause a malfunction in one of the screens or attempt to cause a malfunction in one of the screens so that it's opaque just long enough for the rapid ascension tool to get you past the floor. Sounds good to me. I mean, uh, I'm not the one going up there, but it sounds hypothetically good to me. Should we take a quick look at the crawl space before we walk back down there? She she just, like, moves her hands in the direction of the crawl space. <laughs> the team ascends up to the next floor, which they now know to be the maintenance floor. Well, uh... The airtight door, currently barring admission to the crawl space, is held with a simple electronic lock. It could just be a normal lock. Like, if it doesn't have the sign, then we should just open the door and see what's in there. I will try opening the door. Using his hacking tool, Investigator Clarehout easily bypasses the lock. The team quickly sneaks inside, but lights instantly flicker to life upon entry. The room is vast and open, walled with working smart glass surfaces that emit holographic graphs and diagnostics when approached. Wow! Diana walks in and spins around like a Disney princess. <laughs> there are also various unidentifiable mechanical objects standing about. This is my domain. Can I see anything dangerous inside? To Investigator Clarehout, some of the objects look similar to generators. Upon looking around entirely, it is found they are alone in the room and the ceiling is oddly concave, a dome above them. That was a role to try and identify the advanced technologies that you stated were in the room. Examining the mysterious technology up close, Azad notes that it appears to be a similar, albeit larger, version of shielding technology used by the Vigilant to stop bullets. Um, how big are they? Azad ascertains the shielding in the room to be gigantic, each console weighing easily over a thousand pounds and turned to face the ceiling. Okay, so can I, like, tell where, 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 what it is they're protecting? Assad's best theory is that the shields were designed to protect the floors beneath from threats located above and beyond the building. Hmm. All right, so she'll be deactivating those before she leaves, but she's going to keep exploring. Um... By examining the smart glass readout, Azad is able to determine that the purpose of the room is to maintain the shielding. Um, I want to know what's on them. The smart glass contains the vital statistics on the room itself, the shield's integrity, currently listed as inactive, and the integrity of the building itself, which is listed as stable across the board. Ah. Okay, so can I look through the backlog and find out when the last time there was a marked as um, compromised integrity? Searching through the log history, Azad finds an interesting collection of updates. Can I see the, the, like the report? Like the data report? Up until a few weeks ago, many, if not all, of the windows were listed as compromised and had been logged as such for a very, very long time. The log history was written by perhaps a variety of users, but all utilized a single username and password. It's apparent that it was multiple users, based on the variety of entry formats and the wide gap in the entry's spelling proficiencies. Query, diagnostics, what grade is the glass and could it be set to full opacity and cast the tower into darkness? All of the tower's windows were gradually replaced with smart glass of an impeccable defensive grade over the last few months. Query, structural, could I control the shield generators from here? 
Azad concludes she could safely control the shield generators from this room, though they are currently off. All right, guys. So, once we find a way out of here, because we have the dossier, I can just shut this place down and make it accessible. And once we get the dossier back, they would be vulnerable to attack, and that would be someone else's problem. Or our problem if we want to blow them up. You're great. (laughs) I don't know how you do all this stuff, but I am all for it. That's great. Computers have information on them, and I read it, and then I tell it to you guys. Yeah. So let's find out what's on the the roof, and then on the way back down, we can deal with this. Can I actually... Is there anything about the curvature of the roof that I can deduce as being important? Is it part of the shield? Structurally, there's a flat roof built atop the domed roof, but the domed roof may have been at one time used for precipitation collection. I hate this place. (laughs) Um, So she's just going to... Can we get a look outside, Diana? We're in an interior room with no exterior access. However, I can prevent the shield generator from ever coming online. Let's just get the hell out. I mean, let's just get the smithereens out of this building. (laughs) Azad encrypts the controls to a new 73-digit password. Okay, so does that mean the generators are off presently? They were off when we walked in. I see. So they are not presumably the generators that are supplying power to the building, or are they? No. No, they're not. Okay. Okay, cool. In that case, uh, I don't really see why we shouldn't... Well, I'm sure there are plenty of reasons why we shouldn't go to the roof, actually, but uh, <laughs> it is a thing that uh, it's a thing we could do. Would it be wise to send one of us to the roof just in case it's guarded and I could maybe bluff my way out of my presence there? So by one of us, you really mean you. Yeah, you can go to the roof. Just take a quick peek. I'll, I'll tell you guys if there's no one up there. Okay. If there is, and... I mean, it's it's a roof... So we find out what's up there, and then we have to go back downstairs anyway. So try not to get seen, because otherwise we have to fight our way through 40-something floors. I will do my best. Claire had lights the stairs to the roof access. Can I go up to the roof stealthily? Upon sneaking through the top door, a guard immediately notices him. Hey, not allowed up here. <laughs> Turn around, or else. Behind the guard rests a machine of sorts, though it is not attached to the roof. A team of eight men and women currently weld and repair the strange machine. Oh, so sorry. I'm looking for floor 40. I need to talk to Creed. That's down two floors. Go. Go. Ah, thank you. May all be perfect. Are you wearing a privacy hood? Yes. Can you just replay what you just saw for me and for everybody else? Here you are. Claire Hout wasn't able to get a clear look at the machine, but was able to record the exchange on his privacy hood. Why are they lighting it on fire? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, can we have, now that we have like this short video of a guard yelling at him, <laughs> can we examine it? <laughs> Computer use? Nat 20! Oh, nice. <laughs> Damn! I did a thing! Against all odds, Azad cross-references the images to out-of-date yet stored mechanism blueprints from the Department of Research and Development. The mechanism matches an old file labeled Dragonfly. Wow, Ah. real-life Travis drawings. Oh no, he didn't draw those guys. Wow, real-life somebody else drawings. (laughs) All right. It's a legendary yet secretive piece of pre-colonization technology rumored to have been brought onto the planet during colonization centuries ago. 
What else is in the file? A military-grade machine of war. The dragonfly is capable of moving its sturdy extensions in a way that allows it to hover, ascend, and descend in a controlled manner. The old charts also state that these ancient machines were typically armed with explosives that can easily level towers. Azad views a series of conflicting blueprints showing a similar, yet differing, machine. She shares these images with her team. This doesn't really make a lot of sense. It seems like there's multiple versions of propulsion systems. In some of them, it seems like the extensions, I guess so those are the wings. In some of them, it looks like the extensions turn. In other ones, it looks like they flap. And in other ones, it looks like there's gas propulsion. Well, you know, it's metal. Maybe you need to propulse it in a lot of different directions for it to work at all. It's pretty heavy. That's true. All right. um, Okay. um, So bad guys have a thing. Does, the one that we're looking at, did it look like it had any weapons on it, like guns or something? Let's look at this again. She can plainly see from the video and charts that the version Clarehout saw on the roof was heavily armed. Not only were guns mounted to the underside, but additionally self-propelling rockets capable of housing powerful explosives hung from below. All right, guys, we can't let them have this. Yeah, that seems like it'd be a really horrible idea. I kind of want one, though. <laughs> yeah, how do I make, can I make one? This looks great. She, I mean, she just likes... She, she, she's, gonna, she's doing what I'm doing. I don't I can't see what I'm thinking. Azad puts her hands on her head. So I'm just going to... I'm going to open the door, and I'm going to just start spouting technobabble at this guy, saying I was sent up here to te- check out, like, aerodynamics or something. And, I mean, I'm not really going to be lying, because I really want to mess with it. <laughs> I really want to see what it is. Um, well, if you want to try that, be my guest. I guess... I mean... Huh. I already blew my cover, too, so I'll need to stay down here, I guess. Uh, we might end up killing them, so you might just be able to come up. Um... Okay, we, so I tell you what, I'll stand by the door with my cane, and uh, if you say <clears throat> a certain word, I'll just run in and start beating the shit out of them. <laughs> what word's it gonna be? If we make destroying this our priority and blow our cover in the process, what's to say this spirit of Gulion won't have a plan B? Hey guys, I don't, I don't plan on um, destroying it. I plan on, I plan on using it to get out of here. Does. Do we even know if it's functional? I mean, I know how a train works. I'm sorry, that's not <laughs> I mean, Do we? And I understand. I understand aerodynamics and stuff like that. Do we know that the dragonfly is finished and able to fly? Honestly, we don't need it to get too far because I'm also planning on blowing up the building. Okay. Hear me out, okay? <laughs> I mean, I get you. What I'm saying is. What if it can't go anywhere because it can't fly, period? They may not even be uh, done with the thing. Yeah, I haven't thought that through. I really, <laughs> really want to see this thing. And even <laughs> if it does, who has the piloting skills to fly it? Well, uh, I've Hoping operated some heavy mining equipment before, so I can There we go, switch. mining equipment, and... I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> if freaking stupid fringers can activate this thing... Hey! I'm pretty sure we can figure it out. Yeah, that stupid... I'm pretty sure we can figure it out. This is the most reckless I've ever seen you before, and I like it, and it's great, but I don't know. Have some reservations about this. <laughs> I, I want to play with it. <laughs> the other thing was, if I can utilize this... To, I can, if I can utilize these gun shields to actually supercharge the building, then I might be able to overload um, the fuel cells that we saw in the basement levels 
to actually get them to explode. But I would only do that after we find out whether or not we can actually get the... What was it called? The dragon off of the roof. I'm not sure if it'll fly, but I'm a scientist, and I need to try. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we should kill anyone just yet. If you can take a look at it, that would be great. All right, But we might need a better plan to get you back. Who... Well, I can just say I'm here to check on something... I don't know. Gears? Uh... The flange? If anybody knows that joke. (laughs) I need to see if your flanger works on this. It needs to be tuned. Well, while they're still welding it, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere today. And the only thing stopping us from coming back up here is a couple dozen flights of stairs. We could always keep looking around first. Here's... Here's... I mean, if you want to, we could... I really... I just want to... I want to... I want to play with it. All right. Um, So, yeah. Okay. Let's go downstairs. Away from the amazing technology on the roof. Don't worry, my friend. We'll get there. If there's any way to play with it in the future, we will be back. Fine. Well, uh, I think that the predominant plan... You know, I think we were thinking about exploring the rest of the tower before we do it, but the predominant plan seems to be kicking the ass of the people on the roof getting to the dragonfly, flying it out, and then blowing this place up. I want to blow it up. I'd like to talk to Dr. Basuto on the way down and see if that can get us access to some any more, any more places. All right, let's get going. The team heads down the stairs to meet with Dr. Basuto. Liberty Vigilance is created and produced by Travis Vengroff with editing and writing assistance from K.A. Stats. Starring Peter Lewis, Sean Francis, Caitlin Stats, Daniel Thorson, and Ashley Birch with narration by Wayne June. Guest voices include Max Lando and Sainty Nelson. The music was created by Ryan McQuinn and Stephen Malin. Vigilance was mixed and mastered by Brandon Strader with cover art by Dan Stanek. The original Game Master was Travis Vengroff with assistance by K.A. Stats. And this episode is brought to you by The Orphans Podcast. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by liking and reviewing our show on iTunes. We'd especially like to thank citizens Dan Gill, Zach Israel, Fallon Gannon, Adam Farber, Scott Morrison, Saryuko, Maria Berglund, Matthew Schluga, and Jonathan Wade. This broadcast is a creation of Fool and Scholar Productions. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you. Score. On the count of three, we all clap. One, two, three. Awesome. Synchronized. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, oh, my like, dog is really confused. The, the clap got my dog's attention also. He just ran up to me <laughs> like, what? What do you want? <laughs> hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.